Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hi, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Slattery. I'm an author, a speaker, a ministry leader, and I am passionate about helping people live in freedom because life is too short and we have too much to do for any of us to live enslaved. Today, I have a special guest with us, Grace Fox. Hi, Grace. Hi. So Grace is a career global worker. She's a popular international speaker. She's a certified life coach. And she's the author of nine books, including Moving from Fear to Freedom, A Woman's Guide to Peace in Every Situation. So you'll for sure want to pick that up. And you can find her online at gracefox.com. And you can also find her at www.im-canada.ca. You can find her on Facebook. Just look for gracefox.author if you Google that. And today she joined me to talk about a fear that I think is probably growing more pervasive in our Photoshop social media driven culture, and that's fear of insignificance. So often we don't know our purpose or we might lose sight of our purpose and we can try to find value in so many insufficient things. If, if only we earned a certain income or received that promotion or married that guy or, or raised perfect, well-behaved children, then we'd have value and others would admire and respect us. But whenever we attempt to define ourselves outside of who Christ says we are, we end up feeling defeated. And most of us know, at least intellectually, that our worth and our purpose can only be found in Christ. But living in that truth, it it can be hard with our often superficial and achievement-oriented world. It can be really hard to remember that. And I know, Grace, I know you struggled with that when your kids were young. Oh, I did. What I did was I fell into a comparison trap. Mm -hmm. I chose to be a stay-at-home mom. That was what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But in that place, as my kids were small, I... I started comparing myself to other women my age who were working outside their homes. Mm -hmm. And I began to feel like I was lesser than, Mm -hmm. I think largely because I wasn't getting some kind of a tangible Mm -hmm. payback for Mm -hmm. my work. Mm -hmm. So I would look at what they were doing and they were getting a paycheck. Mm -hmm. They got to dress up to go to work every day. And I started feeling like I was less than. So I actually would almost apologize to people. If if I would meet somebody new and they'd say, well, what do you do? Mm -hmm. I would answer, I'm just a stay-at-home mom as though that wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. When I hear, I heard a couple things in that. Actually, numerous things. I think if we're to unpack it, you are finding your value in comparison to others. They were your standard. And I, I clearly did not understand my value to the Lord at that time. Mm-hmm. So as a result of that, like, it, it's our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts will shape our beliefs mm-hmm. and our beliefs influence our behaviors and our behaviors determine our destiny. Mm-hmm. And so I had faulty thinking about my value. Mm-hmm. I measured it against other people's income of mm-hmm, all things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and what they were coming home with, their payback for, for whatever they were doing. Right. And I didn't understand my value. So my thoughts 
um, it, uh, just really influenced my beliefs. Mm-hmm. My beliefs caused mm-hmm. me to just about knock myself out trying right. to prove myself, my right. behaviors. I became a very unhappy mm. person to be around. I was just constantly striving to prove mm. who I was and prove that I was that I was uh, good enough. Mm-hmm. And and so those were all subjective standards, right? That you were right. measuring yourself by. So there is absolutely no way you can reach that because the the bar always changes. Exactly. Yes. Depending on who I measured myself against. Right, right. And so those were the, the lies, right? That like I can find value by what I do. I can find value by what others think. So so what would be the truth? Like if we're stuck in that lie, what would be the truth that would counter that or truths that would counter that? Our value is based in what Jesus Christ says about us. The fact that he died for us, that he was willing to die on our behalf mm-hmm. states that he values us very highly. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with what we can do or perfectionism. Right. I know getting stuck in that trap, that, that's a bad one too. Perfectionism where we just try our hardest to to gain others' respect, as you said in your mm-hmm. opening comments, mm-hmm. to gain mm-hmm. others' respect. By right, right. You. Right. And it's, it's amazing to me how we know humans have faulty perceptions and deceived thinking. So why would we ever give them more voice than scripture and truth? Like if we really kind of unpack that and sit in that, why are we giving that person, what gives them the power, whoever it is, whether it's our neighbors or our boss or maybe our in-laws, when we're seeking comparing ourselves to others or we're seeking their approval to find significance, what gave them the power to define who we are, right? Often, I think that comes from wounds that we uh, that we suffer, that we experience early on in life. Mm-hmm. So I can maybe trace back to where faulty thinking in my head began mm-hmm. about my value or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Uh, first grade, mm-hmm. I can pinpoint a situation that happened in first grade where we were sitting around doing a Valentine's craft. So the teacher had given everyone a piece of red construction paper. Mm -hmm. On that piece of paper, there were little outlines of hearts of various sizes. So our our job was to cut out those hearts Mm -hmm. and cut out strips of red paper. Everything was just cut on that paper to the right size. And then we would assemble it in order to make a little person with accordion arms and legs Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. valentines for feet and hands and a valentine shaped head so i was sitting there cutting out these heart shapes i recall that but i recall going off the line at one point Mm -hmm. so then i thought oh my goodness i better fix this so i cut i cut further Mm. on the other side of the heart to try to make it match, but I missed it. So Mm -hmm. I had to cut again, you know, Mm -hmm. and it kept getting smaller and smaller as I tried to fix my mistake. Mm. I was striving for perfectionism and my teacher came along. She kind of wandered up and down the aisles, checking on the kids Mm -hmm. and how they were Mm -hmm. doing. But when she came to me, she stopped by the desk and she just looked to see how I was doing. And and she made an offhanded comment like, well, Grace, there's no heart that size. Where did you get that one? Hmm. And I internalized that as, oh, would you mm-hmm. do wrong, Grace? Mm-hmm. And, and then mm-hmm. I could just see in my head where that went is you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. you're dumb. Yeah. You can't get anything right. And off it went. Right. Right. 
Right. You know, and, and there's so much too. I love when you talk because like, okay, there's like 10 things to unpack in that statement. But the one thing I really got from that too is when I think sometimes when we look at our mistakes and, and we have this expectation of perfection, which we'll never reach and we have to learn to live in grace. Right. I mean, I feel like our identity and we cannot really live in our Christ centered identity unless we're firmly grounded in in grace. Would you agree? Oh, I would totally agree. But we're often our own worst critics. Right. Right. And I mean, your story as as a as a little girl kind of kind of modeled that. And so I a lot of times I think, too, especially in the idea of significance, we don't always stop to recognize what's really going on internally that we have this fear of insignificance. And I think there's a lot of things that can be tied up in that. And you talk about how sometimes it can be a wound in our past that can trigger these feelings of I'm not good enough or I'm insufficient or whatever it is. So how can we recognize first when our actions, that striving is coming from trying to earn our own significance or whatever? And then how can we get to the place where like, okay, where is this, what is this rooted in so that we can move past it? Yeah. I think sometimes we need to just stop mm -hmm. and say, why am I feeling, if, if we are feeling mm -hmm. driven mm -hmm. to do something or to accomplish mm -hmm. something, driven to the point of there's an unrest, there's this, this sense of it's never enough. Um, and to sit back and to say, I want to take a hard look at that. Mm -hmm. uh, why am I so busy? That's a question that I've asked myself oh, in the right. past. Right. Why am I so busy? Is it because all of the things that I'm doing are truly necessary and valid? Mm -hmm. Or in the when, when I really take that critical look at it, is there something that I, I'm involved in, that I'm doing, that I'm striving towards because... I was afraid to say no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then so why? Why? Then why right. was I afraid to say right. no? Exactly. Was I afraid to disappoint somebody? Mm -hmm. Was I afraid to say no because if I did, that person would think less of me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Am I trying to uh, prove who I am? Is that why I'm so busy? Is that why I'm involved mm -hmm. in so mm -hmm. many different mm -hmm. things? Because mm -hmm. I'm trying to tell other people mm -hmm. in a roundabout way that, mm -hmm. I, that I'm really capable and right. I need to prove it. Right. So. Yeah. And I think too, like you said, going back to two, are there some hurts that are connected to this? So like, what lies am I believing? I think we have to prayerfully ask that too. Like I know for me, my journey, my, my healing has been, and I, I'm still in the process of that, right? Like where God is just restoring me to who I'm supposed to be and helping me see that. So it's been this, this, unveiling of, of lies bit by bit over the years. And then as he does, he replaces them with truth. But I like how you said pause. When we have a reaction, so often our our fear may not look like fear. So I was just, I lead the single moms ministry at my church and we were talking about mad. We we're, we're doing Jenny Allen's book, Stuck, and we're, we're on the chapter of mad. And I shared with them, I said, usually anger is a secondary emotion. And quite often it's rooted in fear. And so we, we went around the table and we started unpacking the anger, when you got deeper, there were certain fears. And that's why the anger came out. And I think sometimes with our fear of insignificance, we can be so busy moving, 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 running, running, running. And we see ourselves as getting irritated and getting angry. And some of that's because 
if we're so busy, we're not spending time with our power source, right? With, with the one who bursts love and joy and peace within us. But I think some of us may not know and recognize that we have a fear of insignificance. And the only way we can really get a handle on that is to, to be willing to pause. Sometimes, we, sometimes we're so afraid to see mm-hmm. something we don't want to see that we just don't want to stop, right? We'll right. just keep running, running. Because stopping and looking at it seriously right. might reveal something that we don't want to see. Well, that's for sure. And, and especially if there's pain attached, we, don't wanna, we may not want to feel. The, we've gotten pretty good at not feeling. Because we're on the run. So <laughs> right. Stay on the run. We don't have to deal with it. Right. Like, yeah. So when you were a mom, you talked a little bit about, you said, you know, you weren't a happy mom, but what did that cost you? Your inability at that point to live in your true significance. What did that cost you? What did it maybe cost your family? What did it reveal to your kids in regard to grace and truth and, and Christian living? I mean, if it cost a lot of stress in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, I almost beat myself up just trying mm-hmm. to maintain the pace that I adopted. Mm-hmm. So so I stepped into a position as Sunday school superintendent. Mm-hmm. And I was on the um, the music committee. Mm-hmm. And I, I became a, a certified daycare provider, bringing in other children into my home. So I'd have as many as eight kids I was mm-hmm. looking after mm-hmm. at any one time. I eventually started cleaning other people's homes mm. uh, at, while I was homeschooling my youngest daughter. Oh, my daughter. goodness, and, lady. <laughs> oh, my, oh, yeah, and I taught piano lessons, Oh, too, wow, so, wow. So you see what I mean? Oh, and I became a, a, a Tupperware dealer. So I had my own home business. Wow. I, mean, I tell you, I was running around, meeting myself, coming around yeah. the corner. Uh-huh. And then I began to almost take pride in how many balls mm. I could keep in the air, right? How mm-hmm. many I could juggle. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, how was your relationship with Christ at that time? Well, it was, I knew that I needed it. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was my power source, but I would cram it into any right. minute that I could find. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and just being a mom, just being a mom, well, it's hard to do it right. with that being the only thing on your plate, right? right? And I remember during the mid of the afternoon, if I got all my kids down for a little nap or a little quiet time, that's where I would snap just a few minutes mm-hmm. in the word. But I wouldn't say that it was a priority mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. I think I was just so overwhelmed with trying mm-hmm. to prove who I was. Right. That I, that was my priority. Right. And I know when I look at my behavior, when I fall into those types of behaviors and whenever I resist surrender, whether it's surrendering my schedule or my desires or my dreams or my responsibilities, if I'm, whenever I struggle with surrender, I'm forced to really evaluate what I truly believe because I may say I believe something. I may say I believe Jesus is my everything and he's sovereign and loving, faithful, attentive and true. But do I really believe that if I am not able to hand him my agenda? Do I really believe he's good? Yes. And loving. That's right. That's right. Our behaviors prove. Mm-hmm. They reveal what we really believe to be true. Right. So I think there's also, though, a positive part of that. When I begin to respond in fear or striving, it's almost like a, a warning light going off. Like something is amiss here and I have to ask myself, okay, have I believed a lie, whether that's a lie about myself, a lie about God, like he really won't take care of me. He really won't fulfill me. He really won't bring me healthy relationships or whatever it is I'm striving to, to pursue. 
what lie have I believed there? What truth have I not fully embraced about God and his nature and his ability to care for me? And if you've been following this episode or this whole podcast series, I encourage you to go back to episode one where we talk about how all of our fears are expelled in who God is, what he's promised, and what he's done. That's where we find all of these answers. And so today we're really talking about we have to find our significance in him. What is that? You know, that might be confusing for some people. What does that mean, Grace, to find our significance, our value? And I think there's kind of tied in that, our value and our purpose in Christ. What does that mean for someone who maybe is still trying to figure out who they are? Again, we go back to the fact that Jesus died for us. Mm-hmm. He, it says in Scripture that he bought us with a price, mm-hmm. and he adopted us into his family. Mm-hmm. He chose us mm-hmm. to become his heirs. And so mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to align our thoughts with the truth. So mm-hmm. when these lies about you're not worth anything, you're not good enough, and all that mm-hmm. start filling our minds, it's like saying stop. It's like putting the hand up to it and saying stop. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And here's the truth. Jesus loved me enough to die for me. Mm-hmm. He invested everything. It mm-hmm. cost him everything. That's mm-hmm. how much I am valued. He chose mm-hmm. me. He adopted me into his family. I am his daughter. Mm-hmm. I am his child. And that's where the value lies. Mm-hmm. And so we have to retrain our brains to think that way and to understand that and then to start walking that out, understanding that he has a purpose for us. Mm-hmm. What is that purpose? Asking him to show us mm-hmm. what that purpose is. Mm-hmm. Asking other people around us who know us, where do you see my strengths lie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How might I be able to use those strengths? Mm-hmm. I think I think even in the the place that we're at with our culture and society right now, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm thinking right of social media and how easily mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is to, it, it's so easy for us to fall into um our value line in how many likes we have or how many followers mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. have or mm-hmm. how many hearts we get to, to mm-hmm. our comments, all, mm-hmm. all of that. Cause it, it is so easy to fall into that. Oh, nobody likes me. Oh, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have anybody mm-hmm. commenting on whatever it was I posted today. Mm-hmm. I am irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I am insignificant. Right. And again, those are all subjective, right? Measurements. And I want to go back to, you know, when you talk about purpose, I think we can even, unpack that a little bit we have like our roles right and those will change but our purpose will never change and that was defined in genesis chapter 2 and that our purpose is to know christ and make him known and i think for me sometimes i get tangled up in i'm like oh writing is my purpose or speaking is my purpose or serving at church is my purpose well i went through a period 2011 It was about 2011 to 2013 when I started to get better. I got really sick. And so there was a while where I wasn't writing. I wasn't speaking. I wasn't serving. I wasn't even going to Bible study. And it was hard to, I felt like I wasn't a good mom. I felt my, my husband was caring for me. My daughter wasn't coming to me because she felt like, like, Mom had enough going on. So she, you know, I felt like I wasn't being a good mom to her. I wasn't being a good wife. And I really struggled with identity during that time and my significance. And it was when God just really reiterated to me, my purpose is to know him and make him known. And when I'm sick, if I show that by how I connect with him, 
and how I lean on him. That's how I make him known, right? Is that life falls apart and yet I'm still in him. Or if I'm, if I'm serving and I'm making him known that way, but for me, it's helped to recognize my roles may shift and, and sometimes making him known, like I said, might just be living with grace and giving grace to myself and I'm still fulfilling my purpose. I think other women could so relate to that, mm-hmm. Jennifer. Uh, I remember a conversation that I had by email one day. An email popped in my box from mm-hmm. a woman I mm-hmm. had no idea who she was. But she said that her son had been married on the weekend. Mm. And she said, now it's Monday morning and I'm sitting at home and I'm crying because I don't know what my purpose is. Mm-hmm. I was his mm-hmm. mother and mm-hmm. now he's gone and there's another woman in his life. I don't know what my purpose mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. I'd written an article quite a while before that. It was published with Focus on the Family and it mm-hmm. had something to do with um, your role as a mom when your son gets married. Mm-hmm. As I wrote it uh, a little while after my mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. eldest child, a son, was married and how I, I used to be the leading lady in his life. See, I mm-hmm. found significance in that. Mm-hmm. But now there was a new leading lady in his life and right. it was time for me to take the back behind the scenes role. So did that mean that I had less value? Right. No. It just meant that my role shifted, just like you said. I remember another conversation I had with a woman who, okay, this this was a harsh one. It, it was harsh. Mm-hmm. This lady was really suffering from chronic pain, and she wasn't able to do the things that most mm-hmm. of us are able mm-hmm. to do. And she she just yelled. She was in such distress that day. Mm-hmm. She just yelled, I have no worth. I can't oh. do all those things everybody else does. Mm-hmm. I am nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, oh, I think that's what you're addressing here is mm-hmm. that we may be bedridden. We may mm-hmm. be tucked away mm-hmm. behind the scenes where nobody sees us. Mm-hmm. We don't have an upfront role and we can't do the things that we want to do, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not we'd ever do them to impress anybody. We just mm-hmm. can't do those things mm-hmm. anymore. But our value is not based on those things that we right. do. Right. It's based on who we are and the fact that we are God's creation right. and that he has invested everything in us. So I grew up just feeling like I had to perform. And if I didn't perform, that people would be done with me. And so as a Christian, I carried that mentality into my relationship with Christ. And so I started kind of like what you talked about. I started serving and reading and the Bible and doing all these things and giving. And and then God moved our family to a small town. We ended up in a home church. I mean, it was like our world just shrunk drastically. And there really wasn't a place for me to serve. And I, I remember feeling just like you were talking about, like, what's my purpose What am I here for? And I felt like God was done with me. I was like, well, I can't prove to you, God, that I love you. I can't earn your favor. I mean, I understood grace as as far as it came to salvation, but then I didn't live. I lived as if my salvation depended on me from, it's like, I had my moment of salvation, then I got to keep working, right? (laughs) So, and one day we're at, we're, we're having worship in this home and I was just crying out to God. I'm like, Lord, what do you want from me? And I sensed in my spirit, him saying to me, I want you. And that was such a precious moment to me. And it really shifted. I'm like, you know, sometimes when we're doing all these things and God's just like, I just want you. Like you said, he purchased us with his blood. That's how to draw us close, right? That's how much he values his relationship with us. You know, and I think about when I think about significance and striving, I think about David and Saul, 
from the Old Testament. So Saul was Israel's first king and and David was Israel's second king. Both were anointed by God. Both were given this, this amazing job or role. And they both had the Holy Spirit. So they had everything you would think for greatness, right? And they were both actually, they were both anointed in the middle of doing really mundane things. So David, he was the youngest of his family. He's out tending the sheep and the prophet comes to look for a king and his family's like, does, doesn't even think to bring him in, right? Like he's not even considered part of the, the selection. And then Saul was out looking for a donkey when he was anointed king. So both men were doing seemingly mundane tasks when God called them. And Saul turned into striving. Like if you read his story throughout first and second Samuel, he gets jealous when David began to, when his warrior abilities, fighting abilities, when people started to proclaim that Saul got jealous and he was terrified of losing his role. He was terrifying of losing his position with the people. And as a result, he fell into just this, this striving and self-reliance and self-wisdom, and he moved further and further from God. He actually ended up insane and um, distanced himself from the power and, and the presence of God, and he ended up losing everything. Whereas if we look at David in contrast, David went through just so here he's anointed, and then the, a chunk of his life after is he's fleeing for his life and he's hiding in caves. And so he seems like he has nothing, right? But he has God and he finds his significance in God. I, I think too of how he responded as that teenager when he went out to fight Goliath, mm-hmm. where uh, Saul wanted him to wear his armor, mm-hmm. you know, and he, and he put a doubt or he tried mm-hmm. from his own fear. Sometimes we put our own fears of our own significance mm-hmm. onto those in our family as well, mm-hmm. without even realizing mm-hmm. it. But, you know, Saul was struggling with his significance. And here, David, you, you're just a teenager. This guy's been a warrior mm-hmm. ever since he was young and, and you're just a teenager yet. So you better put my armor on because you're not good enough. He mm-hmm. didn't quite say that in mm-hmm. so many words, but that's what his, his words and actions implied. Even David's brothers were saying, what do you think you're doing out here? Who do you think you are? You just want a piece of the action. Why don't you just go back where you belong watching the flocks, right? Mm-hmm. But David, uh, he wasn't out to prove anything mm-hmm. when he fought Goliath. Mm-hmm. He knew who he was. In right. God. He knew right. his identity and he was sure of it. He wasn't right. out to prove anything. Um, he wasn't seeking to impress anybody or find his significance in taking that giant out. He was just doing the next right, right. thing. Right. And you know, I think something's very significant about between David and Saul. And the one thing when, when he was even, so to give a little bit of a backstory for those maybe not familiar with the biblical narrative, there was an army, the Philistines were oppressing the Israelites. David goes out to bring food to his brothers who are fighting. And, and he hears the Philistine mocking his God. And that riles David up. He's like, you how can you let someone mock our God? And and that's kind of, I think, the defining factor throughout David's life is he constantly elevated God, whereas Saul elevated himself. And I was thinking of a book that is so powerful. It's really small. It's a small little book, but it's by Timothy Keller. And it says, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And I think that when we begin to self-forget, and when we make less of ourselves and make more of God, that's when we find our significance and our peace and our and our joy 
I think a lot of times. That goes along with a scriptural uh, mandate that says there must be less of us and more of him, right? He must increase, we must decrease. So uh, it doesn't mean we put ourselves down. That's not it at all, because then that's Mm -hmm. not appreciating God's creation and Mm -hmm. what he's done for us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and his value on us. But it is inviting his presence and power more in our lives, finding our significance in him and less in our own strivings and our own abilities. Right. You know, and Jesus modeled the perfect example, right, of of humility, of making, he made God the Father known in everything he did. That was his, his life was to point everyone to God the Father. And you and I were talking previously just about, what Jesus endured, especially on the night before he died, and how he was able to really humble himself. Do you remember that conversation? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I, what we talked about was Jesus washing his disciples' dirty feet mm-hmm. at the last supper that they had together. So he has a basin, he's got the water, he washes the feet, which should have been done by the servant, the, the guy who's lowest on that ladder. Mm-hmm. And Jesus did it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people would have been unwilling to do that because they may have been afraid that if if I do that, I'm going to lose respect in their eyes. Mm -hmm. But Jesus was sure of who he was. Mm -hmm. He didn't need, again, he didn't need to prove anything. Mm-hmm. He was certain of his identity, and and when we are certain of our identity, we can stoop and get our hands dirty. Mm-hmm. We are free to serve. It doesn't matter what people think of us. We don't. We're not concerned with that. We're just more concerned with what God thinks of us and living a life that makes Him smile. Absolutely. And so, just to kind of recap, we until we find our significance in Christ, we are always going to be striving and never feeling like we're never quite enough because we can't find our significance apart from Christ. So we hope you get, we gave you some things to think about, maybe some things to pray over. And thank you, Grace, for joining us again. You can find Grace at gracefox.com and you can find more about, more about her in my show notes. You can find the show notes at crosswalk.com backslash podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I would love it if you would rate it, if you would share it. Make sure to subscribe because we've got a lot of great content coming up. And again, you're going to want to check out Grace's book, Moving from Fear to Freedom, A Woman's Guide to Peace in Every Situation. And remember, go in peace and go in freedom and go in grace because life is too short and we have too much to do for any of us to live enslaved. Thanks, Grace. You're so welcome, Jennifer. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. 
I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.